Pastor Trent Griffith wonders, are you seeing with missional eyes or is your vision limited? What if a small group in here saw your small group as not just a little incubator for you to go in there and complain about how bad your week was? Oh, we're here to encourage each other. Let's pray for Brother Bob here. And What if that group got your eyes on the needs in the community and you adopted a school or a nursing home or a community center and you started working together on getting the gospel into the darkest places in this community? missional eyes see the value of partnership. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Have you ever tried driving in dense fog? It's kind of eerie staring out your windshield and seeing nothing but white. Then suddenly, something appears that wasn't there just a second ago. The reality is, you have to drive a lot slower. While in life, as in driving, visibility is important, and there are some things to watch out for, and of course, we have to know where we're going to. Today we'll see from God's Word that a key part of lifting up our eyes is seeing with missional eyes. Here's Pastor Trent. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. About 15 years ago, I went in for my annual eye exam and my eye doctor came out and said, I got good news and bad news. He said, the bad news is you have astigmatism. Anybody ever get that bad news before? Am I the only one? He said, the good news is this. We have a laser in the back room and we can roll you under the laser and we can fire laser beams into your eyeball and we can fix that. How many of you have ever heard that before? And how many of you thought, I ain't letting a laser anywhere near my eyeball. He said, it's not a problem. It won't hurt a bit and it'll correct your thing. So sure enough, I had that procedure done. I know what you're thinking. But, but wait a minute, I see you in glasses every week. That's true. He told me before he shot me with the laser that it would not fix the 40-year-old problem. That comes along, that, that's so everybody is, that, that's a different problem, so we, we have to have the glasses anyway. So, listen, at the risk of sounding trite, uh, today I get to play the role of eye doctor, and this is going to be the laser. And we're going to try to correct your eyes. What is the theme of our new year? Say it with me. That's it. Lift up your eyes. You get brownie points because you are on the third row and you are paying attention. So lift up your eyes. You see, we have a problem. Our eyes get down. It gets focused on our circumstances and our problems and ourselves. And we've been learning from Psalm 121 verses 1 and 2 that I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? Answer me. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So I don't know how big your problem is. I'm thinking it's not as big as heaven or earth. And so God can handle your problem. You need to lift up your eyes. And then last week, um, we saw in the New Testament that Jesus told us to lift our, up our eyes. And if we did, we'd see something else. He says in John 4:35, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white to harvest. We've begun to learn that vertical eyes open 
missionalize. Once we get a new view of God and how gracious and enormous He is, then we get our eyes on the work of God and how enormous that is. And God invites us into the mission, getting our eyes on what's going on. Do you see the word missional there? That may be a new word for you. We're going to define it here in a moment. You see, a vertical church is a missional church. And we are a vertical church. That's why we have the symbol that points up. We want to focus on the glory of God, the goodness of God, the grace of God, and sometimes even the wrath of God to motivate us to repent. All of those different things that are characteristic of God. And once God's glory comes down, our eyes come up and we see that God has a heart for the world and He wants to use the church to get that message to the world. A worshiping church is a sending church. A vertical church is a missional church. So we're going to dive into Acts chapter 16. It's, it's really the church on mission. We're, we're going to be looking at it over the next three weeks. But I want us to talk more about this word missional. That's a kind of a new word here. And the root word of missional is mission. So let's define the mission. Uh, good leadership principles, a lot of good leadership books out there tell you before you start a business, before you get up in the morning, you got to know what you're going after. What is the mission of your organization? Well, here is the mission God is on. The mission is all that God is doing to redeem sinful people to himself. This is a mission that doesn't originate with me. It originates with God from eternity past to eternity future, God is on a mission to redeem sinful people to Himself for His glory. You know what that means? God is the great missionary. And before He sends me on a mission, I need to understand that He has invited me to join the mission He has already been on from eternity past to eternity future. It is not dependent upon me. Now, I got to let you know something. As a pastor, this is the only thing that helps me sleep at night. Because if I thought that the mission of redeeming sinful people was somehow up to me, I would be a nervous wreck. Because there's nothing I can do to redeem a sinful person. And yet God invites me in to be his human agent to deliver the gospel that is the means by which we believe and are redeemed. So that is the mission. God is already on mission. He's inviting you to join him. Can I ask you, what is your mission? Are you on mission? Everybody has a mission. Are you on God's mission? So let's define this term, missions. If you've been a church member, if you've been in church long at all, you've probably are familiar with the idea of missions. What is that? Missions are the intentional efforts of the church to share and to show the gospel to all corners of the earth. You see, we understand we can't be content just attracting the strongest Christians in the area to build the church. We need to change our philosophy from come and see to go and tell we have to be on mission to go tell the people. If we're sitting back here thinking that somehow, if we just have good enough services, if we preach good enough sermons, if we have good enough music, if we have a comfortable enough building, they're going to show up. We're deceiving ourselves. They aren't coming. You know the apprehension you might have about like actually going to a mosque? That's the apprehension they have about coming to a church. They're not coming. You're not going to a mosque. Because those people aren't like us. That's not our team, right? That's the way they feel about us. 
And so we have to go to them. That's why we have intentional efforts to share and to show the gospel in the world. Now, at Harvest, we have a very specific mission philosophy. Our mission philosophy is this. We plant churches because churches are the most effective means to get the gospel to the people and to make disciples where they are. The mission of missions is the church. The mission of the church is missions. The mission of missions is the church. And so we're planting churches. And we've planted three churches. We've planted a church in Fort Wayne. We've planted a church in Pittsburgh. We've planted a church in St. Louis. This morning they are worshiping and they are sending and they're making disciples in those areas. Right now we're in the process of planting the church up in St. Joseph. And we're longing for when we can plant the church in Elkhart. And we are wanting to open the doors of a new church in Belize. Hopefully, maybe in the next month, we'll get to see that church open its doors. Not to mention what we've got going on in Liberia. So you're a part of a church planting church because the mission of missions is the church. Are you on mission? Here's another word we need to define. How about missionary? What is a missionary? A missionary is every Christian sent every day into every place where Jesus is not worshipped as Lord of every person. Every Christian sent every day into every place where Jesus is not worshipped as Lord of every person. Do you call yourself a Christian? Thank you. we got two Christians in the room this morning in church. This is a mission field. Uh, I am on mission. Let me, let me, that you weren't expecting that. You were still writing the definition, weren't you? Are you a Christian? Yes. Are you a missionary? Yes. If you don't call yourself a missionary, stop calling yourself a Christian. Every person who names the name of Christ, who has been redeemed, is now on mission with God as his missionary to go into all the world, to every place, every day, to every person who is not yet a Christian. John Piper says it this way, one of the most profound statements that has rocked my world as a pastor. Missions exists because worship does not. Wherever there is a household, wherever there is a nation where people are not worshiping God as their all-consuming passion, that's the place mission needs to go. You know people like that? In your algebra class, in your neighborhood... In your workplace, that's your mission field. You are the missionary. Here's the last statement, and this is the one we're going to unpack here from Acts 16. Missional is an adjective that means I adopt the daily posture of a missionary. Even though you're called a missionary, not everybody here is doing the work of a missionary. And so intentionally, I get up in the morning and I realize the only reason I am left here is to be on mission with God as his missionary. I adopt, I accept the assignment of a missionary. And I live in view of the unfinished task of the Great Commission. The Great Commission is a two-word summary of what we call the last command that Jesus gave his disciples in Matthew chapter 28, he said, go into all the world, make disciples. The first word of the Great Commission is go. It's not stay, 
It's not remain. It's not invite them to come. It is go and tell. Can I ask you, did you spend your week on mission with God? Did you spend your week thinking, praying, giving, sending in any capacity? Lift up your eyes and understand you are on mission with God. We're going to see four things here today from Acts chapter 16. Here's the first thing. Missional eyes see the value of partnership. Look here in uh, Acts 16 verse 1. We're introduced to a character and uh, he is the most famous missionary who's ever lived. What's his name? Paul. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. And a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. And he was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. I love verse 3. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. How many of you were like me where I was always the last kid picked for kickball in third grade? It's like, nobody wants you, nobody wants you. I want you to hear this morning. God wants you to accompany Him. Your pastor wants you to accompany Him on the mission of making disciples. And so understand, missionalize, see the value of partnership. Timothy, he's like, what, why? You said Paul was the greatest Missionary. He was also the world's greatest theologian at the time. And yet, Paul never went on mission alone. Jesus never sent people on mission alone. He always sent them by twos. Paul, he usually went in, in triads and quadruples. As a matter of fact, the last verse of uh, chapter 14, we read that he had just selected Silas to go with him. And then he found Timothy, and he said, I want Timothy to join my team. We later find out that Luke was a part of the team. Luke is actually the one writing this. And so Paul selected these people. And I think that the reason he selected them is because they complemented him. He needed people that were different. He needed a diverse team. Um, we're told that he, he chose Luke. Why do you think Paul chose Luke to be a part of his mission team? Do you know what Luke's occupation was? Do you know what he was? He was a doctor, okay? So it's very practical. Paul's very practical. Every place Paul went to preach the gospel, what happened to him? He got beat up. He's like, I think I need a doctor on the team to travel with the team. I need you to patch me up, stitch me up because they're beating me up, okay? Very practical, all right? He, he served a very practical role. You say, well, a doctor, I mean, he's not really a missionary, but he can patch up the missionary right? Keep the missionary going, right? And then he chose Timothy. Why do you think he wanted Timothy? What advantage did Timothy have that Paul no longer had? Paul was old and he wanted a young person. And the younger you are, the more attractive you are to old people. Because you know what? Young people have their own language, don't they? And, and old people sometimes don't, don't speak the language that young people speak anymore. It's evolving. And so if you can put the gospel in young person, next generation terms, now we can get the gospel to young people. So we wanted Timothy. And by the way, if you're a young person here, it's like, yeah, those missionaries, those are old people. Oh, Timothy was a young guy. 
And he went on mission with the old guy to learn the tricks of the trade from the old guy because the old guy was going to be dead soon because he kept getting beaten up. And he was going to pass the baton to the young guy. And that's why we have two books in the Bible, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. And Timothy's mentioned in six other books in the New Testament. He was such a strategic partner here. There was, um, there, there was something about the team. Now listen, if you, wait, I need to know where the membership of the church is. Where's the membership? Where's the membership? Everybody raise your hand if you are a member of Harvest Bible Chapel. Lift your hands high. I need to see the whites of your eyes. And so I can know who I'm targeting. This message is for the membership of the church here this morning, okay? If you're not yet a part of the membership of Harvest Bible Chapel, then uh, you can lean in and listen here. But I am talking to the church, okay? And whether you're a doctor or a young person, old person, whatever, you have a vital role on the team. We need to lock arms together using your gifts, deploying you in places where you can make disciples most effectively. And so Paul said, I wanted Timothy to join the team. I mentioned to you that our church is responsible for nine churches in Liberia. You say, I thought it was eight. Well, it became nine last week because Harvest Bible Chapel Marshall Road was launched in Liberia last week. There's our team. Now, they don't dress like we do. You thought you dressed up for church. You've never been to Liberia, okay? You say, why do they dress like that? They shouldn't dress like that. Well, if you're in Liberia, they'd look at you and like, you shouldn't dress like that. They're, they're missional. And so you may notice they don't all look alike. The couple in the middle, that's Pastor Abel and his wife, Hawa. I was thinking about renaming Andrea, Hawa. That's a great name for a pastor's wife, don't you think? And so there, there they are, and they launched their church. They've been working toward it, cultivating that church there under the, the discipleship of, of Pastor Moses that if you've been around here long enough, you know. And so now uh, we've got a new church there in, in Liberia. They, they had 143 adults and 92 children at their launch service. And so they're just getting started. And because of our decision as a church in Granger that our missional strategy is to plant churches, we're touching what's happening in Africa, for crying out loud, okay? You say, well, who are the other couples? Well, the couple on the right in the matching outfits, that's Billy and Jen. Billy and Jen were here just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they're from Chicago. Billy is, was an accountant attending Harvest Bible Chapel in Rolling Meadows, and Jen was a nurse practitioner. They said, we got nothing else to do. Let's go to Liberia. So they did, and they started practicing medicine there and using Billy's accountant expertise. They were able to organize some of the things that were happening at the health clinic that was all disproportional and out of control, and he's got that all functioning correctly now. And, and of course, Jen is there um, ministering with her health care experience there. Other couple, they're from, they're from the UK. They're Brits. And so look at the partnership for the gospel. What Kevin and Lori Corhorn have been doing here to partner with Pastor Moses there, and then Moses pouring into Pastor Abel, and then you got people from Chicago and Britain. And because of that, there is a disciple-making presence of the church in the second poorest country in the world. Because somebody had missional eyes to see Lift up your eyes. The fields are white to harvest. You say, you want me to go to Liberia? Maybe, maybe, if that's what God's calling you to do. But what if just a, what if a young married couple in this church got missional eyes? And they decided, you know what? We're going to stop looking at each other, as young couples tend to do. And we got our eyes off of ourselves and off of what we think the other person should do for us. We got our eyes focused on the same thing. 
and we worked together. We partnered together in missional work. What would that look like? Maybe bake some cookies. You walk across the street. You introduce yourself. Hi. I worship Jesus Christ at Harvest Bible Chapel. We'd love to have you come with us. Here's some cookies. If you ever need to borrow anything, I'm here. We'd love to get to know you. What is your name? What do you do? Would you like to come over for dinner tomorrow night? We have steak. Don't feed them bologna sandwiches if they come over. You're engaging them. That's missional. And then you find out and diagnose where are they spiritually with the Lord and, and how can we step into that? How can we love these people? What if a family said, you know what? We got extra space. We got room in our home. We got room in our hearts for a kid. There's kids in our community that don't have a family. What if our family missionally said, we're going to bring a kid into our home in, a, in an environment where the gospel is known and for the next 20 years... This kid's going to hear the gospel. You think that might have an impact? What if a small group in here saw your small group as not just a little incubator for you to go in there and complain about how bad your week was? Oh, we're here to encourage each other. Let's pray for Brother Bob here, and, and let's pray for Sister Sally. And, and What if that group got your eyes on the needs in the community and you adopted a school or a nursing home or a community center and you started working together on getting the gospel into the darkest places in this community. Missional eyes see the value of partnership. Here's the second thing. Missional eyes stay open to their context. Missional eyes stay open to the context. Now, there's a disturbing part of the passage that I've yet to read. I'm just warning you. Here it comes. Verse 3. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him. That's disturbing. It's like, really? You have to do that to be missional? If I, if I go to Liberia, you're going like, to perform surgery on me here? This is, this is troubling. Well, this is a little troubling. It was troubling for Timothy. Why did he do that? Because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. So here's the deal with Timothy. Timothy was biracial. Timothy had a Jewish mother and a Greek father. So can you imagine some of the theological things that he heard in his home as mom and dad would fight over religion? And he lived in this context. He lived in this cultural context. He was multi-ethnic. Paul looks at this guy and says, that's an asset. He's ambidextrous. <laughs> he can walk into a Greek culture and he can relate to those Greeks because he's a Greek, kind of. And he can walk into a Jewish culture, all those religious over there with all their rules and their regulations and ceremonies, and he can kind of speak that language too. Do you understand? The more multicultural, the more multi-ethnic you are, the better the advantage you have over white dude. It's just walking, I can only kind of, I got to work to gain trust from people that don't look like me, right? But Timothy could gain trust in every area except there was this one roadblock that Paul identified. He hadn't been circumcised. Why is that a big deal? Because that was the, that was the external identifiable mark of a real Jew. It was external, and yet Paul wrote later that 
really God's intended purpose for circumcision was to be to circumcise the heart. It was his heart issue. It was a spiritual issue. But Paul looks at Timothy and says, look, in order for you to be the most effective missionary, you should get circumcised. Are you willing to give up something, to leave something you love, to experience physical pain in order to reach someone with the gospel if all you had to do was to remove a roadblock? Listen, the only thing that should offend a non-believer is the gospel. If it's your attitude or your quote-unquote freedoms in Christ, you ought to cut that off so that the only thing they're offended by is the gospel. Paul knew that. And he says, Timothy, you need to be circumcised in order to be the most effective. You need to contextualize the gospel. The same is true for us. We need to understand the culture and the language and what people are into in our culture. Now, listen, we don't live in Liberia. We live in northern Indiana, and it's Midwestern, and we have this, this large university. It's Golden Dome, and a lot of people like that. And if they don't like that, it's usually the team in, up north. And, um, and uh, that was offensive to those of you that like Michiganism. It's, 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 sorry, I didn't mean it to be offensive, okay? But the Michigan team or, or whatever, people have different loyalties around here. People like corn and harvest time and, and uh, all these different things. So in order to speak their language. We need to learn the language. If we were sending a missionary out of our church and sending him to someplace like Korea, wouldn't you expect the guy to learn the language? The same is true for us. There are certain ways and patterns culturally that people have. We need to know the music and the news. We need to know um, the the loyalties that people have, even political positions of different people. Now, a lot of people will take this concept of contextualizing the gospel and they'll take it to an extreme and they will begin to compromise the gospel. No, you have to be faithful to the text of the scripture and understand the context in which the text is to be delivered. And if you go too far, somebody's like, yeah, I'll be, I'll be a missionary. I'm going to go binge watch like everything on Netflix all week long. No, that's called worldliness, okay? That, you don't need to be infected with the worldliness. You just need to be aware of how to communicate the gospel in the context to which you are called. If you're a child of God, He calls you to see the world around you with missional eyes. Pastor Trent Griffith will be back next week with the conclusion of this message. It may be that the concept of seeing with missional eyes is new to you. Well, that's okay. You can thank God that He has organized the circumstances in your life so that you would be listening to resonate right now. Or it could be that when you hear Pastor Trent talking about seeing with missional eyes, you get excited because this is exactly the kind of thing you've been thinking too. It's resonating with you. Well, whether it's brand new to you or something you've been thinking about for a long time, either way, you need a solid group of believers around you supporting you in your quest for more missional eyesight. Well, I'd like to invite you to visit Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger or St. Joseph. We'd like to provide you that support that you need. Why don't you join us for a worship service? 
For information about our service times and locations, go to harvestgranger.org. Again, that's harvestgranger.org. And be sure to check out our Facebook page by searching for Harvest Bible Chapel Granger. Next week, we'll hear what a 12-year-old Trent Griffith was thinking about one day as he was mowing the lawn. You know, mowing is good thinking time. And here, decades later, Pastor Trent can still remember some of his preteen mowing thoughts. We'll hear the conclusion of his message, Seeing with Missional Eyes, next week. I hope you can join us then. Well, thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that God's Word would resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger. Visit us online at harvestgranger.org.